Welcome, everyone. Really glad to see you here this Sunday morning at Grace Church. Glad to see everybody. Glad to know the people who are listening on podcast uh, through, the, through the internet. My name is John Ray. I'm one of the elders here at Grace Church in charge of the teaching team. And uh, if you were to ask me about my grandfather, Big Poppy, anybody else call their grandpa- grandfather Big Poppy? Am I the only one? It used to be an old Southern thing. So my grandparents were Big Poppy and Big Mama. Which was, which was really funny because my grandmother was about five foot two. Um, but Big Poppy and Big Mama lived in Hope, Arkansas. And during the summers, I would spend a week or two up there as the only grandkid. I would get this special time uh, just to spend with my grandparents. And Big Poppy, he would, he would just, they would spoil me. There'd be fishing trips and He'd take me to the rock shop, and we'd go eat hamburgers at the dairy diner, and he'd take me downtown and show me off to all his friends down at the, down at the newsstand and the bank and Judge Garrett's office. And, and if you ask me about him, I would tell you about this man who smelled of Lucky Strikes and Electric Shave, whose uh, sun-worn skin was just, he would hug me, and it would, and it would bring me in. And, and as a kid, he was my hero. He loomed larger than life. He could just do no wrong. That is until I, I heard about an incident much later in life. My stepmother was recalling this to me, and it, and it shocked me so bad at the time, but she was recalling how my dad had been traumatically affected as a boy from a beating that my grandfather had given him when he was a boy. And I heard these, this thing, and it, and it shook me. It shook my image. It shook what was happening. And, and I didn't quite know what to do with it. And, uh, and just this week, those of you who know, my, my father is, is staying with us, evacuated from Houston. And he has dementia. And occasionally, as is true with dementia, people who suffer from dementia, they'll, they'll bring things up from the past and, and talk about them in great detail. And just this week, and I don't know what brought it up. I really don't even know what triggered it. But he started telling me about that incident. And he said, you know, my, he said, my dad only beat me once. He said, but it was so bad. He said, all I can remember is my, my mother running out into the yard saying, stop it or you'll kill him. Stop it or you'll kill him. It's a sobering thing when our image of someone, when our idea of someone is so shattered by a further revelation. What happens when our image of someone is irrevocably broken like that? Do we turn out to just then totally turn the tables and, and where we used to love someone, now we hate them? Where we used to trust someone, now we mistrust them? Do we try to just ignore it? Do we just refuse to deal with the new information, but at the same time know we can never go back to the way things were? Well, I would suggest there's, there's a lot of ways to deal with that, but it kind of sets the stage for the text this week. This week's text is one of the most difficult in all of the Bible. 
Theologians and countless, countless others have wrestled with it since the story first happened. And finding our way through this is not going to be easy. But I believe there is a way to understand this if we apply ourselves diligently under the guidance of the Holy Spirit and talk about it as a community. Now, for those of you who, are, who may be visiting or don't know, every week we send out a learning guide. And what I would strongly suggest, and what we're going to, you're going to hear us encouraging you to do, is if you print the learning guide out, there's space there to reflect on the questions. And if you'll do this, if you'll print the learning guides out, if you'll use them in your personal devotion, take them with you to your grace groups, I cannot help but promise you that you will have a depth of knowledge of Scripture that is far above just the average churchgoer. That you will engage the text in a way that you may never have before in your life. And that you will begin to see things and find your life being transformed at a pace and a depth that you may not have thought possible. So I want to encourage you to do that. Folks, this text is going to take all that we have to understand. So pray with me as we dig in. Jesus, you've given us your word. <laughs> the word and your word, your promise. You've given us your word so that we would know you and so that we would be transformed by that knowledge and so that the kingdom would come and redemption would happen. But you've given us no promise that it'll be easy. And you've given us no formula other than your Holy Spirit to guide us. So we lean into those things. Your promise and your spirit together in this community, in this place, today and this week as we wrestle with this. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, another thing about the way that we do things here is our, our weekly teachings build on each other. So if you didn't listen, or if you weren't here last week and you didn't get a chance to listen to the podcast, please go back and do that. It'll make a lot more sense if you go in sequence for what we're doing. Last week, we talked about how key it was that our understanding that we are part of God's creation helps us understand who we are and what we're about. And we asked some provocative questions about what it means to be part of creation, and especially a part of creation that has an outsized ability to influence the rest of creation. And we talked about how God had set up this planet, this, this place for us, this cosmos, that was uniquely friendly to us. Indeed, it was and is very good. But how from the start, we just we couldn't grasp that as human beings. We just we couldn't, we couldn't seem to, to understand what that meant, and so we ended up kind of trashing the place. And that's where we come to this story today, is that as the world has, has continued to grow from, the, from what we read last week to where we are now, God's our human beings, human beings are in need of some kind of promise to see them through. They need some 
glimmer of hope to show them a different way than what they're experiencing of war and violence and degradation, of lack. And so God gives Abraham, he calls Abraham out, this unique figure in all of biblical history who we could spend months, if not years, studying. He calls Abraham out and he gives Abraham this promise. And it cost Abraham, it tests Abraham, and Abraham doesn't always live up, doesn't always measure up. He makes mistakes, he fails, but God continues to reaffirm and he does these crazy signs and wonders for Abraham. But the whole premise is, hey, Abraham, I'm going to give you a family and your family is going to be these, they're going to be these agents of restoration and redemption. The only problem is Abraham can't get his wife pregnant. And how, are you, how is this promise going to be fulfilled of having this great family that's going to cover the earth like the sand on the seashores or the stars in the sky? How's that going to happen if, if you can't have kids? And so in his stumbling obedience and in the way things work, he, they concoct this plan to kind of do it their own way with a slave woman and, and doing that. And man, that doesn't work out. It just creates more problems. And even though Abraham deeply loves the son of this situation, he has to send him off. And then finally, in her old age, well past the age of bearing children, Sarah, his wife, becomes pregnant. And that's where our story picks up today. So imagine, if you will, you have to really understand this situation Finally, after everything, it seems like God's promise is going to be fulfilled. And we come to the text in Genesis 21. It says, Now the Lord visited Sarah just as he said he would, and did for Sarah what he had promised. So Sarah became pregnant and bore Abraham a son in his old age. At the appointed time that God had told him, Abraham named his son, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. You feel abandoned, you feel alone. I Look, I don't know what Abraham struggled with. I don't know what, where he was in this whole thing. But I think about the provision of God it was the ram, yes, but it was also the voice. I think this provision was God saying, Abraham, I see you. Abraham, I see you. I understand your struggle. I understand your situation. I understand your heart. And that provision in the ram, yes, there, but also in being seen, recognized, validated. That we start to see this. We also see how this is related to our creatureliness with that is look would God speak the same way today would God speak the same way today to those of us who have kids I don't know I kind of doubt it I don't know what I do know is that God in making creation understands creation and he spoke to Abraham and to Sarah and really to Isaac too in a culturally appropriate way. This is a very different culture from ours today. One that I dare say, it offends us and it should offend us because this wouldn't work. 
in our culture. But it did there. It worked there. And that's why we talk about, as we study Scripture here, is that we have to be diligent and intentional to wrestle with these things if we're really going to understand them. And I think in this context, God was speaking and acting in a way that the people, the characters in the story, would get it. And would get it to a depth that transformed them and proved it to them. This story of God interacting with his creation is continually evolving, as we'll see. Listen, don't ever walk away from this and think God condones child sacrifice. He doesn't. It makes it clear. You go on. You get into Leviticus. You get into the laws. Man, that was, the, that was one of the worst, most egregious sins that could be committed by a human being. God hates it in any way, shape, or form. And that continued, that message became stronger and stronger as God's creation human beings continued to interact with Him. And I hope with everything in my being that that continues. That as we, in our day and age, can even look back and now go, how precious are the lives of our children. So we see that developing through this story. Well, listen, that's all well and good. That's all well and good. Okay, so we're, we're looking at the cultural context and <clears throat> we're understanding that you know, we have to, God gives us these difficult situations and it's always God's action towards us, but what is going to sustain us through the, through, the, through the actual thing? I mean, when it really comes down to it, and it becomes personal. When it really comes down to it, and it's your problem, it's not Abraham's problem anymore. It's your problem that you're facing. It's your trial. It's your test. What then is going to sustain you in that moment? I would say it is the ultimate grasping, declaring, believing gift that God is good. That God is good. And God is going to do what God says God will do. It is the declaration, although it may be with a trembling heart and quivering lips, that God will provide no matter what the situation, and that you are seen by God. You have been seen, you are being seen right now, and you will be seen by God. Our faith is first and foremost rooted in the faithfulness of God towards us. Not that it's depending on us to work up some kind of emotional or intellectual response. The whole thing is rooted in, and we look at the whole story again. That's why, that's why we have to look at this whole story, <clears throat> what we're doing this year, from Genesis to Revelation, to strengthen our faith, to strengthen our understanding, and to see and experience the goodness of God across all the Bible throughout time. We can only understand this one incident in the, in the context of the whole thing. 
just like all of Scripture, this one just in particular. Listen, I still love Big Poppy. I still love my grandfather. Even though I now know things about him that I didn't know as a kid. It's different from the way I was with a kid. But I still love my grandfather. And if I can do that with a human being, <clears throat> how much more can I love God? Even when I encounter something that I don't understand, even though when I encounter something that challenges me. Now, do I love God the same way I did when I was a kid? When I was six years old and baptized in Baptist church? When I was 12 years old at a youth camp? Had a spiritual experience when I was 18 or 30? No, it's, it's evolving. It's changing, and it should. But it's deeper. It's richer. Because I've been allowed to take these questions, these arguments, doubts, and lean into them, not run away from them. And it's also because I've been sustained by a community. Listen, you'll never have enough faith by yourself. If you're thinking that this is something you're going to do on your own, you're thinking this is something that you are responsible by yourself, that you need to go off and get right and come back, you're, you're a goner. It's not going to happen. There are people in this room who have had faith for me when I did not have any. There are people in this room who have carried me when I couldn't walk. There are people listening to this podcast who have walked through some of the deepest shadows of doubt when I gave up, wasn't ready to give up, didn't want to give up, I gave up. And they did not give up on me. They believed for me. This, this faithful acting out is not something we just do as individuals. It is something we do as a community, as a body, as a family. And listen, all of us, if we are serious about our faith, will come to a time when we read a passage in the Bible that we really don't understand, a passage that provokes us or makes us angry. But that's the easy thing. Listen, reading a story like this and getting mad, that's easy. When it happens in your life, when that experience happens in your life, you feel like you're being tested beyond what you're able, tested in a way that doesn't make any sense, tested in a way that makes you question God. Well, there's no way we're not going to be tempted to either turn our love into hatred, our affection into animosity, or to just play the game to just put a religious veneer on it, but do our own thing and protect ourselves and build those walls up. We can't do that. That's not faith. And any faith we do have will wither. As rational as those responses may seem, they don't work. The only response, however unimaginable it might seem at the time, is to press in further, to wrestle and to lean in, to join with others who will hold on for you when you can't hold on to yourself. 
and to learn to reflexively stammer with Abraham. The Lord will provide. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. As I was thinking through how do we rehearse this? Where's our mountain? Because this, this happens on this mountain, right? And they named the whole dang mountain. This is where the Lord provided after this incident. And as they walked by, they could point it out and they would say, there's where the Lord provided. There's the mountain where the Lord provided. Even today, you go on a tour over there, they'll say, this is the mountain where the Lord provided where Abraham walked up with Isaac and provided the ram. And we don't have to go to Israel. We don't have to go to the Middle East to see that. We have this table. This table is where the Lord is provided. When we walk up and we approach these elements, the broken body, the spilled blood, the Lord has provided. This is our mountain. One of them, at least. Where we see the provision of the Lord. So as we transition now into this time where we come up, we approach, we take the elements, we give an offering, we share with what we have with each other. As we reflect, we pray, we worship. You may want to think about the questions you have. You may want to think about the situations you're dealing with. You may want to think about the test you're undergoing. And know that Jesus said, this is my body broken for you. The Lord has provided whatever that is. And you may come up and you say, I don't know. I, I don't want to believe. I, I'm angry. I'm hurt. Or I'm just playing a game. And I've been playing a game for a long time. I don't want to play that game anymore. You take this cup. You hear Jesus say, the Lord has provided. This is the cup of the new covenant. The promises that are fulfilled in Jesus Christ for you. You don't have to pretend anymore. You don't have to play and you can let go of the anger and the animosity. And listen, this is a process, y'all. This is not something that's going to be done, but it can start here. It can start now. So as you approach the table today, let it begin.